Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hey, listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain. I'll try to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watched the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertained. <laughs> This month is... Wow! Oh, oh, Maze, why do you say that? Supercharge it. (laughs) So that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. (laughs) All righty, everybody. Welcome to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. It's the comedy podcast with advice on everything important in life if you'd only listen. I'm Adam Felber. I'm the adult in the room. And please welcome the woman with a thousand life hacks that everyone ignores, Paula Poundstone. Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome, Paula. The and band is fantastic. We have a tonight. great band tonight. Thank you, trombonist John Grab, for playing her on. In addition to John, we have a sports psychologist, Mario Soto, here to tell us how to get out of your own way and find success, and grammarian Melissa Branzell to advise us on punctuation and proper usage. Also, Paula and I watched Mission Impossible Five: Rogue Nation so that we could tell you today whether you should shell out your money for Mission Impossible Six. Fallout. Welcome all. Paula, what advice do you have to kick things off for us this week? Uh, you know what? I, uh, when my kids were little and they would be on some kind of medication, yeah. when I got up in the morning, I would tape the meds to my shirt so that- Did that work for you? <laughs> I felt great. <laughs> wait, wait, so you wouldn't sleep people, with meds on your shirt? No, people don't realize how much uh, medication that you can take in through a sweater, through your skin. Uh, no, it was because I had a tendency to forget things. And if it was taped to my shirt, then somewhere between my house and the school, someone was going to say, what's that on your shirt? Oh, my God. And I would go, oh, hold on, Thomas, come here. And then I would give him whatever. <laughs> this is for reals. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that your advice, that people should tape medicine to their shirt? Yeah. 
If you're, yeah, because, you know, especially in the morning in a house getting ready for school and, and getting ready for work and the craziness that goes on, yeah, it, you but, know, you don't want to uh, forget your kid's meds. Yeah, but if you're remembering to tape it to your shirt, why don't you just give them the medicine? Because sometimes I was up long before the children were. Oh, and you didn't want to wake them. Right, exactly. You're so like, as I was moment of tasking, quiet, as I'm I was preparing okay. for the day. That's the adult's job is okay. to prepare that for the day. does not sound like good advice. <laughs> and then, um, any of this is yeah, a lot of the... Um, yeah. Pill from sweaters uh, eventually yeah, sweaters built pill. up in my son's yeah. bowel, and that was yeah. a problem that I hadn't anticipated. But right. no, I did. Removing and also, sweater. If, if I had stuff to do myself, I would often tape a list of what I had to do, or if there were bills that I needed to get in the mail that day. Oh, so that when you got I to school, just... somebody would look at your chest and go like, hey, Paula, looks like you haven't paid your bills yet. Yeah, exactly. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And write a, lot, a, check. a lot of people go, yeah. that's why your phone's not working. That's a, that makes sense. That, and, that's uh, completely nonsensical. Yeah. All right, well, Paula, you've been a fount of wisdom, but unfortunately, as we've said, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Oh, that's delightful. I don't know why we haven't had a trombone up until now. Okay, let's move on to our first segment. Paula, you are an athlete. Well. You play ping pong. I play ping pong. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, And you play very well. You have that oh, wicked you. serve. Thank you. Now, do you have any advice for athletes about the mental part of the game? Like, any advice on sports psychology? What do you got to know to have that competitive edge that I've seen you have? Well, I'll tell you something. Last uh, week, I had a bunch of people over to play ping pong, and uh, one of the one of the things that I I did um, midway through one of the highly competitive games was um, I pulled up uh, my underwear and I wear a thick high waisted cottony brief. You sure do. And this particular pair um, was tie dyed, and it was a gift from an audience member, and uh, it's particularly thick. And uh, I pulled it up and I tucked it underneath my sports bra and showed the other players how it could be like a onesie. And wow. uh, Yeah, I'm going to yeah. lose any ping pong game I play with you after exactly. you've done that. I cleaned up after yeah, that. Yeah, there was no amount of backspin that anybody could do. I People were serving to my, you know, I have no backhand. Right. People were serving to my no backhand. Didn't matter. They could barely get the ball over the net. That's after a th very particular strategy. I'm not sure it's going to work for everybody for our next guest, but it, you know, it's clearly worked for you. All right, let's get ready. John Grab, I want you to give us some sports music in just a second because it's time to welcome renowned sports psychologist, Mario Soto to our podcast. Hey, Mario. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> okay, well, that's sports music for a I like sporting family of uh, monsters and misfits. No, what is sports psychology? Because I think of it as where, where you might play a sport with your shrink, which is why so often <laughs> in a sports psychologist's waiting room, you can hear, go on, Dr. Friedman, on the other side of the door. That's... Uh, great question. No, it's not. It's not that. No, it's not. My, and it's not a great question. No, but that was very encouraging of you. I yeah, can see how yeah. you do your work already. Yeah, it was a great question. It was not a great question. Come on, sports psychology. It wasn't even a question. It was more about you being funny and then giving him nothing to it say. Was a, no, it was no, a great it was question. It was question. phenomenal. He's doing Thank his work you. right here. Yeah. My work is in the environment of the athlete. So rather than coming to an office and sitting on a couch like most therapists do, I'm actually immersed in finding out and watching what you do, how you do it. And if you're coming to me, chances are there's already some kind of You've got barrier. the hips of some yeah. kind. You're, I've got, I've got a, a sophomore who has a full ride to a major major university who's right now dealing with the yips. Now, what is, is this a I sophomore never, pitcher? Or a sophomore? She is a catcher, believe it or not. What and is she struggling yips? just getting it back. 
What are the yips? It's when you hesitate and you overthink and you can't get the ball out of your hand and get it to either the catcher or the second baseman. Well, that's ridiculous. Oh, it happens all the time. It does. You can't get the ball out of your hand? Because you're overthinking. You're trying to be perfect and you're trying to hit. And so you overthrow or you underthrow. Or you don't throw and you hesitate. What I don't understand, though, in terms of the girl that you said, mm-hmm. um, she made it this far. She got a scholarship. Oh, so she's been and, throwing and the that, ball in yes. front of people before. And in that sport in high school, to get a full ride is rare for baseball or softball. You typically get a right. small partial. So she's, she's that good. No, she's she is really good. She's a future Olympian. Now, are you helping? I mean, or are you just. Well, I like to think I am. Well, <laughs> how are her yips? <laughs> how I are mean, her yips? <laughs> Um, it's 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 fascinating because sometimes the work can be very collaborative and creative or require creativity. And one of the things I asked her to do, and I asked the parents, because a lot of times the parents are part of the problem. Oh, I would wow. think and that I one of the things get, you asked her to do is throw the ball. <laughs> let <laughs> well, the ball go. Let the ball go. Yeah. But to remove that pressure off of her, um, not don't be perfect. Just play. Right. You know, it's one of the few games where they say play the game. Play ball. And yet we get so uber competitive uh-huh. that we get caught up in how we need to do it instead of just doing it. Uh-huh. And with that freedom comes creativity. When you have creativity, you have spontaneity, and you can adapt and adjust in the moment. When you are locked in thinking, I've got to do it like this, that's typically where you start seeing an, Im- an impact on somebody's performance. Now, you've helped thousands of athletes right around the world. Yes. And so... So you know this stuff. So I want to talk specifically about maintaining a positive attitude. That has to be a big part of it. Everything. Because we were talking about our um, we were talking about our theme songs, and I asked Paula what her personal theme song was, and she sang, I think, to the Battle Hymn of the Republic or something like, "I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck." Yeah, yeah. And look know. how far I've gotten. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, this I, is a I podcast, Mister. I guess what I what I what I'm asking. That's right. We yeah. you, you made it all the way to yeah. a podcast. I guess what I'm asking is is Repeating to yourself, I suck, I suck, a good <laughs> mantra for a competitor? No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> because the voices in your head like are the most mind. critical ones. Right. Yeah. So if you're not your own cheerleader. One of the voices in my head speaks a different language. <laughs> Do you speak and that language? No, but I've been using that Babbel uh, oh. app trying to understand. No, it's a, I have a Farsi voice in my head. A Farsi voice? Yeah. yeah. Are you sure? Because you don't speak Farsi, how would you know? <laughs> I speak. I can curse in Farsi. Oh, okay, well, yeah. so occasionally you hear, you hear the word "suck" in Farsi. Get hot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so, so, so that's not a positive thing. So, is there an exercise that you could right now maybe show Paula Poundstone on how to increase her self-esteem? Well, f- wow. There's where like do we start? Is, yes. Yes. Okay. First, like simplest even one. Here, even starting. I mean, I delay starting the show as long as I possibly can because, uh, uh, yeah, I do feel a little stress. Really. And then once you get in it, you're feeling good. No. <laughs> no. All right. No, but that is a great idea. Yeah. Feeling good while That's, doing your job. So you were trying to just shirk your responsibility entirely there. You were just trying to go, see, I may have once to you get started, to the you feel good. <laughs> yeah. You guys yeah. Be alone. Let, 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 let the man give you some advice. He's going to help. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, make sure you pay attention to the things you say because they're going to feed your subconscious. Mm. And if it's positive, you're more likely to believe and buy in, even if you got to fake it, because a lot of athletes are faking it. And uh-huh. in the game of baseball or in the game where you're competing against somebody else, it's a game of chicken. And it's about who blinks first. Uh-huh. So they're just as nervous as you are. Yeah. And it's about breathing. It's about trusting. And then just 
Well, when you say trusting, who are you trusting? Yourself. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Can she try trusting like you or me at first? Or yeah. if not, the team. I your inner uh, circle. If it's a team sport, yeah. If it's a team sport. I have a combination uh, lock uh, safe for my money at home. I have to hide the combination from myself. There's no trust there. <laughs> Well, that's that's some. I mean, like, understand <laughs> I, if, if if it's good for you that Paula's not an athlete because you, this this would be a hard case to start working. You with, just said I was an well, athlete here's only how, minutes I was, ago. I was, I was trying to be flattering. You're the host. Thank you. <laughs> the irony is, performance doesn't have to be just about sport. Right. It could be about this. Have you helped actors and comedians? I have helped actors, comedians. I work with several oh. businessmen, executives. So it's about. We got a trombonist who looks like he's asking for my help. Um, so, so, yeah, it is all about getting out of your own way. Right, getting out of your yeah. own and way. And in some cases, just being good with the work you're putting in and not having that critical voice of judgment in the back of your head. Uh-huh. Because, again, that voice. But you need that voice afterwards, right? You want a healthy voice if you're debriefing. And one right. of the things I tell athletes is I don't want you to beat yourself up. Right. If you're a perfectionist, you've probably already done that before you come off the stage. Self beater. Yeah, right. Which then you're probably seeing me and taking drugs. Right. Yeah. Which is not a good thing. But I want you to debrief and don't put emotion in it. Remove the emotion and then ask yourself, what did I do well? Because oh. most of the time, what happens when we come off stage, when you come off away from performance? God, I sucked. God, I did this bad or I did this bad. And with parents, that's especially in today's uber competitive society. They're identifying as soon as they come into the car. Why didn't you do this, Billy? Why didn't you do that, Billy? You were so much better than that. Well, they're already beating themselves up. They don't need your help. Wow. And I tell them, don't make the worst part of the day the drive home. Yeah. And that's really critical in today's society. I have to give myself one point. I never did that to my kids when, they, never, 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 when they did sports. Never. Not even once. really encouraging? I think I was. I, you know, didn't help, but I think I was. Well, did you tell them what they did well? Uh, or yes. did you just not yes. want to talk about it? No, we just drove home in silence. <laughs> <laughs> it was so awkward. But sometimes yeah. that's good. Yeah. No, I remember one time saying to my son, you know, boy, you were throwing that ball so good out there today. Um, but unfortunately, it was a gymnastics meet. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and you weren't so, paying yeah, attention. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So I don't think he was supposed to be throwing the ball. Right. Um, yeah. But you were encouraging about yeah. it. So I said, nice. man, you got in some good hits. And uh, yeah, yeah and it was a girls' gymnastics meet. <laughs> wow. So yeah, no, not so much. All kidding aside, in today's world, seventy percent of kids by the time they hit thirteen or fourteen, they're burnt out. Really? They want to quit. Wow. And it's because of the amount of pressure that parents or bad coaches are putting on these people. Yeah. So if we're going to be part of the solution, we need to think differently. We need to parent differently. So we need for them to not only believe in themselves and have that cheerleading voice. But then we need, because we're part of that inner circle of influence, we need to validate that same message. So, so uh, now this might be a little bit unethical, but as a fan of the New York Yankees, can you um, kind of <laughs> put the hoodoo on the Astros for next season, if you don't mind? Like, like do you ever do that? Do you ever get an offer for, like, can you kind of mess with these people's heads so that the other team could win? Like, is there, like, a reverse sports psychology? What makes Absolutely. you think that's unethical? <laughs> Absolutely. And and there's nothing unethical about psychology? it because— um, here's fascinating. You've got two teams that are competing. Right. And there are times when I've actually had to work with both teams, or I'm working with both teams. Really? And who are you betting on? The one who shows up that day and gets into the other person's head sooner. Oh, wow. So there's a game within the game. And I love sports, but now I'm, because of my, my work, 
I'm looking now through a different lens. I'm uh-huh. watching the game through to see who's going to crack first, right? Who's showing their cards, revealing their cards, and how long they're going to sustain that emotional moment until, uh, and then fix it. So you can tell. Can you kind of tell who, who's going to win the game earlier than most people can? I can have some good indicators, but you know, sometimes it's you know, it's you a crapshoot. You can't tell who's going to win the game before the others. You can get a pretty good feel. I bet. Well, I mean, sure, if it's 10 to 2, then you could go, I think the team that has 10 is going to win. The beauty about, Well, that's probably right. Yeah. The beauty about college sports is it's still very emotional. Yeah. Pro sports, un, until you get to the championship level and playoffs, it's just a it's job. Still, it's a job. It's mechanical. Yeah. Yeah. It They're is. It's just out there. They're not letting go of the ball. All right. So I was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, I don't know, a little while ago, and I forget what made me refer to this, but- I said something to the effect of that I was watching the 2014 Winter Olympics. I was watching the women's cross-country skiing. And by the way, it was boring because the camera's in one place and they go by. Yes. And the Americans, you know, all the Nordics win because that's how they go get their bread. That's They grew up yeah. doing that. And I said the American team was like way the hell back texting each other. And um, apparently this irked some supporters, some of I our, think. Yeah, and of, some of our proud athletes. Yeah. Well, actually, I have to say they were very, um, they, they were sort of faux irked. Okay. Uh, so they, um, yeah, they were furked. <laughs> so they sent me a video of them training, and it was actually kind of great. It was them uh, doing like calisthenics and stuff, but they all had their phones out while they were doing it. And I guess I, somewhere on our Twitter conversation that we had over time, I challenged them to a um, cross-country ski ski race. Uh, And so that's why we brought you here, Mario. Now what? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, Mario, how do I get into their heads? (laughs) I think you keep doing what you're doing and talk to them throughout the entire race. Uh, Oh, yeah, talk to them throughout the entire race? Absolutely. Really? And then... You know, a little elbow here and a little I have a there. bad feeling that they're not going to be close enough to me to hear me talking to them. Yeah. I'm going to have to say, hey, you, come back here. Well, you, could, you could put an amplifier on your chest. I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I, I have some negative things to say to you if you'll just turn around. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Play the mind. Play the ultimate mind game. Yeah, yeah. And there I'll be way in the back. Like, I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> I'm not really sure that all this, you know, uh, it, the problem for me is, like, if I try to use a lot of positive self-talk, um, uh, you know, I'm not an idiot. And so <laughs> I'm often— You don't think you can fool you. It's exactly right. Well, I can't now, fool me. if I was me. hearing Mario correctly, it doesn't matter if you don't fool you. Really? You yeah. just say it anyways? You say it anyways. Am I right, Mario? There's a lot of truth to what you just said. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, it's also—it <laughs> <laughs> also helps to know what the hell you, what you're doing. Yeah, and that well, you put your attention on what will serve you as opposed to putting your attention on what isn't helping you. Yeah. And, what that's, will and nothing me. that you do in the arena of cross-country skiing is going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that anything really would. No. <laughs> I don't think I ever. I mean, I've downhill skied before, but I don't think I've ever cross-country skied before because I never saw a reason to. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't you just go across, like, mostly flat? Yeah. Well, no, you go up and down. Oh, do you go up and down? There's hills to climb. Are there? Yeah. You climb a hill? You climb a hill. Oh, that's You have absurd. to turn your skis out and make sort of this herringbone shape. And yeah, and then you climb the hill. Yeah. And then, but it can't, it's not like a mountain, because nobody climbs a mountain on cross-country You're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have your why. You know, if you have a strong reason to do it, 
then you just might surprise yourself. Oh, strong reason but to do it. That's encouraging. You but if you don't have a why, yeah. stay home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my why. Uh, yeah. Oh, so you have to have a, uh-huh. So you have to be like, so, you have to do, so do you have to, like, lie to yourself about that? Do you have to say to yourself, like, uh, I'm um, bringing a, 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 a live heart uh, to someone for a heart <laughs> transplant, and I have to make a herringbone up this hill in in order to do so? Is that... It might that would help. be a strong why. <laughs> yeah. Also the strong third act of an action movie. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I could do is as um, the girls go by me, I could hoist my <laughs> thick hoist your cottony high-waisted <laughs> brief uh-huh. and show them how if you tuck it into your sports bra. It's worth a shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna. I now, think that'll make sports illustrated. Advice, oh no, or, or sports, please don't illustrate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paula, now that you've had time to absorb and synthesize all the lessons that Mario has given you, can you give our listeners like your advice on how to be the best you can be at your sport? Absolutely. Hey, Paula. You know. Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so co- it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? 
They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing. They cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. 
That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Uh, John, can I can I get a little music underneath this? Uh, uh, well, thank you so much, sports psychologist Mario Soto. If I understood your advice correctly, in anything you're trying to achieve, it's important to get out of your own way. Focus on what you're doing well. Use positive self-talk. In other words, lie to yourself. And most important, have your parents drive your opponents home. <laughs> All right. All right, Mario Brilliant. Soto. Mario Soto is a sports psychology consultant. He holds a master's degree in sports and performance psychology consulting from California State University, Fullerton. Mario, thank you so much for joining us. My today. pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much, Mario. <laughs> Trombonist John Grab. Okay, so now we're going to move on from sports to language and find out how to do good, better grammar. Um, do grammar better good. We have writer, editor, and grammar expert, grammarian, if you will, Melissa Branzell. Welcome to the show. Nice intro, thanks. It's great to be here. Well, listen, now, if you saw our script, and you, you, we didn't give you a copy, I don't think, but you would have noted that we omitted the Oxford comma between writer, editor, and grammar expert. Mm. Your thoughts? You know, I, I'm okay with that, actually. I'm not a big fan of the Oxford comma. Person. What? Really? First of all, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. Back, back up, back up, back up. All right. What is the Oxford comma? Uh, that, that's an excellent question. It is the comma that comes before and in a series. So you it's have- like when you're making a list of stuff. When you're making before, a list. So you have- Ice cream, comma, cake, comma, and cookies. So each one of those is an Oxford comma? No, just no. the last one. Oh, the last one. The one before the last one. The Oxford comma was just a, a kind of a big shoe. That's, that would be an Oxford shoe. Yeah. I thought it was like yeah. just a comma that wore a clunky it's, shoe. It's, it's also called the serial comma. Serial like serial killer, not serial like. Did they change? Because I could swear that the rule used to be that you don't put a comma before the and. It's tricky because there are actually two camps. Oxford uh, and Cambridge. Yeah. <laughs> Guessing. So there, there's one style school uh, best represented by the style bible of the publishing industry called the Chicago Manual of Style. Oh. They are in favor of the Oxford comma or the serial comma. Then there are those who use the Associated Press style book. Um, used by newspapers generally and some magazines, and they do not use the Oxford comma. Now, why are you on their side? <laughs> I'm on the side of whoever pays me, basically. Oh, okay. That's how oh, it works. Wow. So, it's, it's, hard hard think, it's hard to think of the Associated Press and style in the same breath because I don't think of them as really good dressers. Again, you're 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 not reverting the right, to, to shoes it, and clothes yeah, and not stuff. The right thing. Not okay. the right thing at all. Right. So I have to switch back and forth depending okay. on whether I like I'm working the for a book, comma. a magazine, a newspaper. I, I I like it at times when it helps provide clarity. Sometimes it does if you're sometimes going on and on and this and this and this and sometimes you need to group things together and the comma helps for clarity. All right. Oh, I like clarity. So I have to just tell you one thing, and it is important. 
Um, You're we, looking at me like I was, I'm was. i going to say that this was yeah, irrelevant. No, because I felt I had that negative voice in my head. Uh-huh. My negative voice looks like Adam. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was going to say. Those, those negative voices come from me yeah, entirely. Yeah, yeah, it was going to say, well, that's not germane, but it is. <laughs> okay. When my son Thomas was in uh, the, like the fourth grade, I believe it was, I, I dressed up like a comma one day and went to his elementary school. And? I just thought that was important. <laughs> what do you mean, and? <laughs> I'm talking to a grammarian, and I'm telling her that I dressed up like a comma once. Right, and you said comma, and I said and. <laughs> I turned you into an Oxford comma. <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say that that was definitely on the topic we're talking about. Thank you, Adam. does not go a long way towards us talking to Melissa about punctuation and grammar. I wanted her to like me. Okay. I do like you, Paula. I like you even more now than I know that you dressed up as a comma. Thank you very much. I have much deeper respect for you now. (laughs) Thank you, comma, Melissa. Okay, that is... See, she knows how she should be used. That's right. So when did you, Melissa, first notice, like, good grammar and bad grammar and that there was such a thing? Mm. Well, um, my mom taught me phonetics um, at a very early age. I was probably 12 months or something when she started working with me on letters and spelling and word games and stuff like that. So I always liked that kind of thing. And then I grew up watching... Electric Company and Schoolhouse Rock and Sesame I Street, love those great yes. shows. And I was a huge Sesame Street fan. Um, and one of my favorite characters was Cookie Monster. Who doesn't love Cookie Monster? Yeah, right. right. Yeah. But Cookie Monster's grammar is just atrocious. Yes. Right. Yeah. He leaves out me a lot of articles. Me want cookies. Me want cookies. Me yeah. go over there. Me find more cookie. Yeah. Um. And um. So I was a little concerned about this, and my dad was actually so concerned that. Cookie Monster might be a bad influence on my grammar, that he wrote a letter to the children's television workshop. And someone from the children's television workshop wrote him back and said, we understand, but we created Cookie Monster because we wanted to create a character that we felt the kids could relate to, someone who would speak to them on their level, that they would feel was a, their friend instead of someone just talking and preaching at them. And um, I thought, okay, yeah, well... It still sounds wrong to me. Right. <laughs> let, let me ask your dad just one question. Has he ever met a kid or an adult who talks like Cookie Monster? <laughs> Has he ever met anybody like at a party or family reunion who would be one cookie? And he goes, there, see what happens? I, I guess he was being a little overly concerned. I think there are those types of grammarians, by the way, and that are a little, mm, it's not that. It, you're, uh, you're trying not to say stickler. It's something like Stickler. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm just not sure that's the best investment of time. Uh, Do you consider yourself a stickler, Melissa? Or are you just someone who is writing the wrongs of a society that has let grammar and punctuation go the way of the dodo? Wow. That that was quite a sentence. Um, I almost didn't get through I, it. I, I... <laughs> Ran out of breath halfway yeah, through. Yeah. Well, thank I God I have I'm... this oxygen machine here. <laughs> and I, I was able to help Adam. I, I think I need to edit that sentence a bit. But I, I would say uh, the, the latter. I would say I'm not a stickler in the way of some copy editors I've met who are um, very particular about every single thing. There's uh, The English language has some fluidity, and we have some choices that so we can make So if I were to style. dangle a participle right now, wow, how long before you would go nuts? You know what? I don't even know what a dangling participle is, by the way. What's a participle? Well, I think um, if you have a dangling participle, I 
think you really should see a dermatologist to have it removed. <laughs> I, I, I was thinking dangling participles was more like a maybe a, 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 a trapeze troupe, sort of. Not. It's a it's a, <laughs> a dangling participle is a phrase that normally begins a sentence and it doesn't match the subject of the sentence that it's is coming after it. So an example would be. Walking through the city streets, the taxi cabs honked loudly. Because those taxi cabs were not walking through the city streets. That's correct. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it is dangling there at the beginning because it's not properly attached to so the right subject. it would dangle subject. at the beginning and not yes. dangle at the end? Usually comes at the beginning. Really? You dangle at the end, you get arrested. It's happened to me. <laughs> you don't want trouble. Yeah. In this neighborhood, there's so, a lot of that. So what are your pet peeves? Like, what burns you up when you see somebody committing some sort of language or punctuation offense? Mm. Well, there's a lot of misuse of the apostrophe. Oh, oh. Jesus. <laughs> you that one bugs oh. me. Oh, that one bugs God. me. And, you yeah. know, it, I'm not the only one. It bugs a lot of people. There's, there's actually a, a group called the Apostrophe Protection Society. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, this is what I'm saying about people and their time. <laughs> you, you know, the lights are not on in Puerto Rico right now. <laughs> I just think the idea, and they probably have T-shirts and business cards and meetings. Uh, I, I just think that's not the best use of any society's time. All right, the Apostrophe now, Protection Society, is that what it was called? Yeah. 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 They're, ba- they're based is, in the UK. They're, okay, they're yeah. just trying to I was make sure. To say, my guess is they don't get along with a lot of groups. <laughs> Maybe not. But you know you what? Know, nobody's calling them up saying, let's go throw a ball this weekend. Nobody's saying, nobody's hey, calling the apostrophe you know, let's go, let's go run a 5K. Because, because if, they t- if they just spelled let's without the apostrophe, they wouldn't be <laughs> going exactly. anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But don't even of, joke um, about that. <laughs> okay, so, oh, yeah. okay so, so what apostrophe usages tick you off? Is it people not using the apostrophe for its or using it when they shouldn't be? Oh, I see that all the time. Sure. That's a very, very common you see it. Where do you see it? I see it in the books, magazines, websites, and so on that I edit for a living. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's a common mistake. Um, And if it can be said as it is, then you have an apostrophe. If it can't, then there's no apostrophe. So that's the simple rule for that one. You know, I have a question that I've... It's troubled me for years. This whole thing is troubling me. Um, Okay. If you're doing a quote of what someone said, but they didn't say a question, but you're asking if they said it. So, for example, did she say, comma, quotation mark, shut up? Oh, that's a good question. the question mark inside the quotation? Because I always heard the punctuation goes inside the quotation marks. The question mark goes outside the quotation marks. But if you're asking the question and the question's not part of the quote, then you would put the question mark outside of the quotes. Okay, really what about if the person was asking a question, but I'm asking if they asked that question? Two question marks, one inside and one out? So I say, wait a minute. Um, did she say, where the hell did you put that comma? How would you punctuate that? In that case, you don't need two question marks. You can just have one inside Oh. The quotation marks. You don't, you don't need another separate one. Really? It depends on whether you're asking the question or whether the person, the material that's quoted contains the question. Okay, uh, let's move on to the, the, maybe the modern age, Paula, if that's okay with you. Sure. Um, are there particular challenges that are driving you nuts now or driving people nuts now involving, and Paula's going to love this, Technology. Does the digital era present some special challenges to the world of spelling and grammar? 
It does. I, mean, I think uh, it's ruining everything. Is that correct? It is ruining everything. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, exclamation I, point. Yes, exclamation point. Um, yeah, I've definitely seen uh, in the last 10 years um, people's writing skills declining rapidly. Really? <laughs> but people, the irony yes. is they're writing. You yeah. know, everybody thinks they're writing because they're texting and they're emailing. So everybody thinks they're writing. Yeah. People think they write more than they used to write. They do. Yeah, uh, but, but they're not. They're they're abbreviating. They're dashing off sentences. They're certainly not proofreading what they just wrote. Right. Um, there's autocorrect. So Which now all of a sudden you're everybody. you're saying something you completely did not intend to say. And right. exactly, oh boy. You know, um, yeah. So we're getting we're getting into. By all the kinds way, sorry about that. Fuck you, email. <laughs> no, no, you meant fuck you. No, no, that was autocorrect. I swear. <laughs> what, what was it autocorrecting from, dear uh, Adam? Fuck you twice. <laughs> uh, what, what what is that autocorrect to? Oh, you you got it too, cause I sent it to Melissa. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> You shouldn't have started with Dear Adam. I CC'd you on my fuck you. No. 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 I was... uh, No, I meant fuck ew. You don't like female sheep. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. okay. I mean, that's plausible. Hmm. Um, Paula, we have now talked to Melissa. We've gotten her advice about grammar. Yeah. What can you, what can you give us back? And it was terrific advice. Thank you so much. An apostrophe does not belong to a belongs to it. A participle dangles in front because it's not connected to the rest of the sentence. And did Melissa Branzell, our grammarian, say, where am I, cookie? Question mark, close quote, question mark. If she did, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Branzell is the owner of Media Chick which provides a range of editorial services for publishing companies and independent authors. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Time now for advice on movie sequels you should maybe not see or maybe see. That catchy, is a, that's a catchy title. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Yeah, we're uh, taking it, submissions it, on those. Yeah, on but, but it is a segment, segment that we title. feel strongly about. You and yeah. I have talked about this. It's it, What we're going to do is movie sequels are coming out all the time. So as a public service, Paula and I are going to watch and review the original film to tell you whether or not you should see the sequel. Kind of a genius concept, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's going to save the listener so much money. Over the, yeah, because sequels are usually bad, but, but we can clue you in as to where your money should go. This week, Paula and I got together and viewed at uh, Stately Felber Manor yeah. Mission Impossible 5 Rogue Nation. Now, the reason we did this is because mere minutes from now, probably, Mission Impossible 6, um, which is called what? Uh, 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 Fallout, yes. Fallout. Yeah, just moments. Mission Impossible yeah. 6 Fallout is coming yeah. out. And so Paula and I thought we would watch Mission Impossible 5, which was really kind of a steep learning curve for Paula because... I've never seen any of the Mission Impossible... I, I saw the old, you know, I saw the Peter Graves uh, television show years ago a right. little bit, right. but I had never seen any of these... Uh, a I franchise keep, spanning... I keep saying Tom Hanks, but it's not Tom Hanks, it's Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, less of an everyman than Tom Hanks. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't see so so I didn't see any of the early ones. Um, I'm assuming naturally that he looked younger in the earlier he ones. He looked way younger. Well, this one, and I have no problem with anybody aging, by the way. But this one, he he does have that kind of uh, that kind of orangey uh, like the Puffy. kind of no, it's the Trump look with the kind of pinkish face and the and the white eyes, yeah. like somebody it, it, like somebody did a grave rubbing over. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got a grave I, I think that's kind of like a Botoxy kind of thing. Like, it, they, it like he needed been. to smooth himself out. And, and there so... were scenes in this where right. you know he was he was captured and, and shirtless and, and shirtless. Because and apparently that's... in movies, that's the first thing that any captor does is take oh, off take a hero's your shirt, shirt off. off. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're yeah. big on that. Yeah. And but uh, he looks great. I mean, it's ripped. His muscles. I guess. I th- I thought his nipples were off putting, frankly. But uh, off, off. Wait, off kilter or off putting? Off putting. There was, was something about, about them. There was a little bit off putting. Did they seem too big? They looked like, like Reese's nipples? peanut butter cup minis. Oh. Uh, and you know I love candy. You mean, like but serrated around the edges because I, I did not notice that. No, no, they weren't serrated. There was just something about them that at first I was like, oh, those are nipples. Um, but he okay. was yeah, so he's tied up, and then the you know the the bone doctor I think was yeah. the name of the character. Yeah. Or no, it was the woman who came in, and she had all these syringes. Right. And she was about to inject him with. This is early more, on in the movie. This is right, a terrible review we're offering here. I, I think. Oh, oh that's maybe oh, that's, that's how the original yeah. Botox got can done. Can I re-rack it a little bit for everybody so that yeah. we can uh, right. so we can we can talk yeah. about. This. So Tom yeah. Cruise's character, who's uh, Ethan Hunt, right? Yeah. Um, he's uh, he's the Mission Impossible guy, and he works yeah. for a secret division of the government. Mi Mi something something. No, no, no. IMF. The that's not, not the International Monetary Fund, but the Impossible Mission Force. Yeah, something. something like that. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think everybody. This knows movie it. is a cryptographer, a cryptographer's dream. Yeah. <laughs> right. Will Shorts cut his teeth on this movie. <laughs> yeah. So we. Uh, <laughs> so I think everybody's familiar with this. He gets impossible missions, and yeah. oh at the, my at the, god, at the impossible. outset of this movie. Um, he gets called in for a mission, but it turns out, no, it's a betrayal. They try to kill him. They kidnap him. They want information out of him. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess there's a big organization called the Syndicate. The Syndicate, That, that yeah. for some reason, only Tom Cruise, only Ethan Hunt believes in. Right. The, the CIA, the head of the CIA was played by... Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, who... You could almost every time I heard Alec Bog, every time he was on the screen, you could imagine him memorizing his lines the night before. Oh yeah, yeah. It was done with that part was done with all the conviction as the way he narrates Thomas the Tank Engine. Yeah, you know, yeah. There was sort of uh, like, like, and you know what? I think the intelligence level of the script is, is commensurate with that. There was a lot. There were a lot of. There were a lot of lines that could have been cut out of any, you know, and and people who like those kind of movies. I'm sure will be more than more than satisfied. But there was a lot of I'm growing impatient. Yes, which is always what the bad the, people, the bad grow guy, impatient. they yeah, grow. Good people don't so grow impatient. Part of the problem. Yeah. That's why it's so important to develop your child's patience. Right. Because otherwise, they're likely to become bad guys, a villain. Let's, but but self-aware bad yeah. guys. They, they don't and just go off. They know they're growing impatient. Keep them out of those black turtlenecks. Oh, I don't care my how God. cold it gets. Now that's Do a, not let your kid wear a black now, turtleneck just, and be impatient. Now, don't let this put you off. Because that is super villain that's right there. absolutely right. Now, Alec Baldwin is not the one wearing the black turtleneck, thank God. But, no. But our villain, played by Sean Harris, his name is Solomon Lane, yeah. he looks like... He, they just dressed somebody up to be Mike, Michael Myers from this SNL Sprocket sketch. <laughs> like, now is the time when Sprocket's very cute as a hero. And I actually think, <laughs> didn't Cat Stevens wear, like, a, 
No, I can't remember. Or Chad and Jeremy or something. There was... Uh, yeah, every Folky from the 60s uh, wore yeah, black, the turtleneck. black turtleneck. And then yeah. it became a villain thing. And yeah. Folkies are the real villains, so it yeah. all, that all matches. And the other thing they say is it would be unfortunate. Yeah, that's a villain they get, thing, they too. Get, when, they, once they got somebody tied up, they get a lot of syllables going. Yeah. It would be unfortunate. Would be unfortunate if you were yeah. to find yourself without a limb. Yeah, yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like, fuck you, I'm hacking you to bits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, be it better. would be unfortunate. You know what? You would think that he would recognize some of the signs of danger. You, yeah. You know? But no, uh, he still walks right into those traps. Not only does he walk, but you know, like the f- opening scene, he's he ends up hanging off of an airplane and there's an explosion and he falls out of the plane and stuff like that happens. Right. And he does and, all his own stunts, which is one of the appeal appealing things about these movies, apparently. But you know what's weird to me, I think, is so in the next scene, you know, he's up and running and everything's fine. Sometimes he gets up like a little bit like, oh, like that. Yeah, he's got but sort of a gimbio, I've had a few rib smash kind of walk, but, but by the right. time he gets into the next frame. Next scene, he's good to go. Yeah. Now, I gotta tell he, he seems to not pay any kind of a price, is what I'm saying. Now, um, I stay in a lot of hotels, and I like to bring an extension cord so that I can plug in, you know, the phones and the computer. I am and the sure junk. this is going somewhere. No, this is important. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I was was it maybe last week. Uh-huh. Uh, I had plugged my extension cord in behind a, 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 a nightstand. I swear to God, if somebody doesn't hit you with a blow dart by the end of this story, no, this I, is very. We're just Im- editing it out. No, this is important, <laughs> oh. and I think the listener will appreciate this. <laughs> Um, so I was pulling it out when I went to leave. I was pulling the extension cord out, uh, and and it it sort of you know it sprang loose uh, more quickly than I was anticipating, uh-huh. and and then dun, and then dun, my da, da, thumb da, da, crashed da, da, into da, the back da, da, of the dresser. Da, 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 that was a week ago, da, 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 and I'm still kind of nursing the injury on my thumb. This is what I'm saying. I wasn't blown out of a plane. I simply scrape my finger on the back of a dresser. It, it doesn't heal hurting. that quickly. Yeah, you're right. That's yeah, what that I'm saying. Absolutely right. You know, and the, I think by I should the way, that, playing that music the whole time. That Mission Impossible story. music, uh, the ser- the series is a little old now, and so yeah. it's not it's not quick like that anymore. Now it's like dum dum da da. <laughs> Da, 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 da. Yeah. I, I think that might be just how you were feeling. No, no, it's this. like that no. now. They're slowing so, it down. So, um, just so I, here's something. Here's something that you don't know. I, know I did some planning research. on the last one. He's going to be on a walker. Yeah. No. Which, yeah. No, no that's the plan. No, they're going to keep making him yeah. look like he's yeah. just young as vibrant as ever, but he's not. Done. Done. Da, 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 shuffle, shuffle. Da, da, I da, wish don't everybody shuffle, out there shuffle. could see Paula's walker miming. I am doing a miming. physical gesture right now. And you're known as a gifted physical comedian. Uh, people think of me as, you know, the Pratt Falls and that yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Pratt Falls and props. I'm, I'm a balloon artist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I should tell everybody. Yeah. Two minutes ago, I just sat here watching Paula try and fail to blow up a balloon. I didn't fail. I blew it up. Did you? Yeah. All right. Did you see? No. Can you tell what it is? No. The balloon animal? Yeah, I made yes, a balloon animal. Yes, Can you like, tell? It looks like a snake that was run over. No. <laughs> it's a it's a rice dish. A rice dish? <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't believe you didn't see that. I, I didn't see that. I think that people could not go to that movie and then just... See the sequel? No, don't no. see the sequel. Okay. No, that's oh, wait, what I'm saying. Don't, don't see the sequel. We have to move sequel. ahead to that part anyway. Oh. So, oh, yeah. so now we've... we've 
massacred the whole idea of reviewing this movie. Oh, we've been all over the we map. Weren't gonna... but, but here's where we give coherent advice. Paula okay. Poundstone, having seen Rogue Nation, do you think people should see its forthcoming sequel, Fallout? I would not. I would save my 14 bucks and not... Unless I could go to Adam Felber's and see it in his backyard That's on a big fun, screen with his dog barking <laughs> and his cat hanging around. No, I wouldn't That's, do it. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I don't think I'd spend my money on that because it'll eventually come out on home video. And I guess if you're a fan of big, giant, splashy stunts, don't listen to Paula Poundstone but and go see this movie. But if... If you want a, a movie that's going to be unique in any way... Uh, no, it's so not a unique movie. Go elsewhere. Does that surprise anybody that Mission Impossible 12 Six. isn't <laughs> unique? And also, at this point, shouldn't they be calling it Mission... Kind of possible. Right, right yeah. yeah. Mission, you, 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 mission, maybe. Yeah, you think they, they, would have, they would have changed their standards as to what impossibility was by, yeah, by right, the yeah. third movie and, or yeah, something. I don't, think, I don't think that's what that word means, right? Isn't that what the guy said in uh, Princess Bride? Yes, that word. I don't think it means what you think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Inconceivable was In, the word now. Yeah. Uh, so definitely, I'd say okay. don't go to it. All right. Don't do it. Don't go to that movie. And if you do, don't come crying to us. Okay, as we approach the thrilling conclusion of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, you might be thinking, hey, how can I support these guys? Well, you could do it by becoming a Maximum Fun member. Now, that sounds like something I would have no idea how to do. It's really not that complicated because it follows the same sort of model that our listeners who might have been imported over from NPR are used to following. What you do is you go to MaximumFun.org, select a level, and start your membership. It's that simple. And the funds go to support Maximum Fun programming. Oh. That's .org? I yeah. get my .org and my .com and my .edu mixed up. Well, this is org. This and my is dot, .org. Dot, dot. And all right, our show is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Felber. We're produced by Paula Poundstone, a different Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, and Ken Lezebnik, along with Liza Forster. Technical direction by Jorge Reyes. Special thanks for tonight's musical guest, John Grab. Snacks for our guests provided by Girl Scouts at my daughter's school who are selling tagalongs by the truckload. <laughs> and we're nothing if not an interactive show, so if you want to get Paula's advice about a specific topic... Well, you can just go over to www.paulapoundstone.com and let us know what you want us to let you know. If we use your idea, we'll give you something. We still have to figure out what, but maybe but, something of Adam's. Uh, yes, or something of Paula's. <laughs> well, no, maybe or something, something of Ken's something or Bonnie's. Of, something, yeah. something of Adam's. Well, I, no, I don't know why we're settling on I don't think we are settling on that. <laughs> um, but, but also, um, we are involved in a very, very um, lackadaisical search for a theme song. So if you would like to submit a theme song, also go on over to, to uh, www.paulapoundstone.com and, I don't know, whistle a happy tune for us. Yeah. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
Listener supported.